The Guardian. Hello and welcome to the Guardian Sustainable Business Podcast, brought to you today in association with UNICEF. My name's John Plunkett. In this programme, we're discussing the tricky business of marketing to children, if indeed we should be doing it at all. As advertisers push the boundaries in traditional media and innovate online, from games to videos, we ask, what are the rights and wrongs of advertising to children? Our panel of experts will be debating the issues in just a moment. So with me in the studio are Paul Robinson, Chief Executive of PR Media Consulting and co-founder of Kids Co TV, and Ian Barber, Director of Communications at the Advertising Association, the trade body promoting good practice in the sector. And on the line from Geneva is Beau Victor Nyland, Senior Advisor for Corporate Social Responsibility at UNICEF. Thank you all for being here, and thank you both for joining us from Geneva. Before we start, um, perhaps I'll start with you, Ian. Give us a, a quick thought on some of the themes and issues we'll be exploring today. Uh, well, we get involved in these debates a lot. I'd say there's probably three or four key themes. What, what are the rules, um, and have we got them right? And certainly from, a, from an industry perspective, uh, that's something we're looking at um, all the time. Advertising to children is high on a list of particularly political concerns. What are the ethics involved? Is, is this simply right or wrong? Uh, and, and that's on a, a pretty big spectrum, uh, depending on uh, lots of different things and, and depending largely on the individual. Uh, there's a debate about tactics, uh, because advertising is, is changing so much. Uh, and then there's a debate about products, uh, and that cuts across lots of different things. Toys, sexualisation, uh, reinforcing gender stereotypes, obesity, tons, tons of issues. So, but, but broadly in those four areas, what are the rules, what are the ethics, what are the tactics, uh, and what are the products? And Bo, give us a thought on some of the issues from you, please. Well, I think also one also needs to take a step back and think about, uh, on the one hand, business as a responsible to, responsibility to respect. So it is about uh, how does business not do harm or really put at stake children's rights in the way that they advertise and market uh, their products and services. But then it's also about how business can play a positive role, because with many of these things, it's, it's also uh, about how business really can go beyond what is... Uh, uh, the actual core business activity and, and use its capacities in the area of marketing and ad- advertising to really support children's rights as well. And Paul, you've been involved for a long time in, in children's uh, TV production and, and, and distribution. What are the kind of issues you've come across? Well, I think um, what's important as a content creator is that when you make something, you know, whether it's a piece of video entertainment or it's a, a toy or another piece of merchandise, that you try and reinforce positive role models and particularly do so in a way that celebrates being a kid. I think it's very important that uh, children are children for a period of time. It's a very uh, short time in their life. Very important to avoid sexual stereotyping. Obviously, in video entertainment, violence and language, very important. Um, And I think generally good behaviour. I think uh, people aren't necessarily looking for education, but they are looking for good role models. Well, thank you for those thoughts. I'm going to start off by hearing from Chris Arnold, who is a former creative director at Saatchi and Saatchi. He now runs his own agency called Creative Orchestra, specialising in ethical marketing. And this is what he had to say. We have probably the toughest regulations in the world when it comes to TV ads, and they're very, very good, actually. But when it comes to things like online and certainly with gaming, with web, with mobiles, it's a much, much more grey area. Even though people can make complaints, the ASA now has a lot of jurisdiction over certain web content. But even so, there's enormous areas where it cannot control. One of the areas there is absolutely no legislation or control over is word of mouth. For example, you see in other countries where they get away with giving cigarettes to kids as young as 12. 
and they give it to their friends, you know, and you you kind of almost find it hard to believe that cigarette companies would still be doing that, but they are, you know, they're, they're feeding young people who then pass it around. And word of mouth is hugely more effective than even social media. I think the danger we have with, in any aspect of marketing, and it's not just the marketing as well, it's how the media communicates with kids as well, and this fear of corruption of child values, is to really evaluate what actually is right and what is wrong. I mean, it's, there's a lot of myths. I mean, people used to worry about Tom and Jerry, you know, and the, the era of Mary Whitehouse claiming that watching Tom and Jerry would make you a violent individual. And there's mixed evidence on that, but there's certainly some evidence to say that aggressive games, for example, they can become a breakdown between the barriers of reality and, and sort of fantasy. And I think, you know, if you're marketing to kids, whether you're marketing a message or marketing a product, you've got to be very careful about that, not corrupting young minds. And I think that's very key. And this is, I think there's a lot of psychology in this. There's a lot of aspects of how this relates to society and the influence of young kids. Because the danger is that if we get it wrong, we could damage a whole generation, you know, with no ability to go back. We've already seen this, actually, with obesity. We see kids now fatter than they ever were because they're all putting fattening crisps and snacks in their in their lunch boxes and they won't eat anything else, you know. So we've already seen how it's worked on a food level, but what's happening on the psychology level, what's happened to the mind of our kids, you know, as they're exposed to more and more media. And as a parent, you find it harder and harder to control what they're watching because they can go around to a friend's house, they can get stuff on a mobile, uh, they can get out of your house and, and use Wi-Fi to connect their laptop. So it's almost impossible now to police your kids. And, you know, there's a lot of forces corrupting them, not just marketing, but the media itself and other industries that have vested interests. I mean, you only have to look at the pornography industry. I think there are a lot of brands pushing the boundaries too far out there. I mean, obviously, for those brands that do take a high level of responsibility, they'll tend to monitor themselves and their agencies. But there are brands that are exploiting loopholes and pushing the boundaries in areas where it's not so legislated for. For example, advertising within the gaming context. It's very easy to do adverts in those areas. And even though you might be dealing with a game that you th- that is arguably 16 or 18 plus, you know that there's probably 14 and even 12-year-olds playing it. We know that, for example, at schools, there's an enormous number of kids are watching adult movies. You know, not just the sexual ones, but the horror ones and other ones with adult content. So even though I think, you know, we know that technically speaking, putting an ad in a content of a game or a program or something may arguably be for 18 plus, we know a lot of young kids are actually watching these things. That was Chris Arnold of Creative Orchestra, and he's also written a book called Ethical Marketing and the New Consumer. Ian, Chris there said that we've got some of the toughest regulation, but he said that uh, advertisers were still pushing boundaries and exploiting loopholes. Can you give us a sense, if you would, of, of what's the current state of play with, with regulation? Yeah, it's pretty straightforward. Um, you know, the starting point for all ad regulation in the UK is that the ads must be legal, decent, honest and truthful. Uh, and there's an overarching, actually, uh, r- rule in the codes around social responsibility. So the regulator has a fair bit of wiggle room in terms of the view that it takes of, of any particular advert. When it comes to kids, um, specifically, the, the rules reflect the fact that this isn't any other or- you know, just any other audience. These are people on our, with a huge range of experiences. They, they, they define a child as being under the age of 16, but clearly what's appropriate to a 7-year-old is going to be very different to what's appropriate to a 15-year-old, and the codes take account of that. The ASA is able to take a view of a particular advert depending on the audience um, that, it was, uh, that it was targeted at. You know, broadly, in terms of the, uh, the sorts of things that the codes talk about, you know, when, if you're, you're talking to kids, you need to be very, very careful around exploiting their credulity, their loyalty, their vulnerability. 
you need to be very careful about um, imploring them to, to to buy the product directly. In fact, in fact, you can't do that. You can't encourage them to pester their parents to buy the product. You can't suggest um, that they'll uh, somehow be sort of d- disloyal. Uh, you obviously have to be very careful around uh, really simple things like uh, not, not presenting harmful situations or encouraging kids to do anything silly or that might endanger them. So there's a raft of rules in place uh, to make sure that the way advertising is done is responsible and the question of you know our brands pushing that a very very tricky one for an industry body to uh, to, to comment on the, 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 but the obvious answer is i'm sure some are but i think typically advertising to children is a pretty sensitive area because ultimately um, the people buying this stuff tend to be the parents and, uh, and you alienate, alienate them at your peril Paul, is it a sign of what advertisers are up to or is it a sign of the concerns of, of parents who are always worried what their kids are up to and what their kids are seeing that despite that enormous raft of regulation we just heard from Ian there, that you know that there are still these concerns that advertising are going, going over the top and that, as, as, um, as Chris said, that you know kids' minds are being corrupted and you know further down the line there's nothing we're going to be able to do about it? Well, I think we've always been concerned about advertising and kids. I think at the moment, though, it is more acute because of the point that was made earlier and that is that kids have access to many more technologies, uh, many many more means of um, being exposed to advertising and particularly in a situation where the parent either doesn't know they're being exposed or has no way of actually uh, controlling what they consume and what they, they watch. Clearly if there are rules um, I'd be amazed if an advertiser wasn't trying to work right up to the rules and potentially you know go beyond the rules. That's how rules work so that, that's, that's life. Um, it seems as though the rules in this country are, are pretty sensible and, and pretty tough but what is important I think is that you don't blame advertising for all the world's perils. I mean it's interesting here in those comments there about obesity and I think it's quite difficult to say there's a direct correlation between the growth of obesity and abusive advertising I'm not sure that's the case um, you know obesity is about not um, exercising control over what you eat and possibly going to McDonald's seven days a week rather than one day a week so I'm not sure that's advertising's fault but what do you think of that uh, should advertisers shoulder some of the blame for uh, the increasing problems with obesity well, I think certainly there's a, a question of, of the balance in the messaging. So, you know, really looking at also what is the responsible intake and educating the population to understand that, you know, it may not be a good idea to go seven days a week to fast food chains, but really uh, having a balanced diet that allows you to have a good nutritional intake would be uh, what what as a person and as a family that you need to look at. I see what is really challenging here for for businesses to uh, consider the question that Chris uh, Arnold asked in the beginning, which is what is right and what is wrong and business putting in place a framework whereby it can really understand what are the key impacts that we're having as a business, what are the key impacts on children's rights through our advertising, through our marketplace behavior that we're having on children's uh, rights. And that way, beginning to really see and understand, okay, this is in the right direction, this is maybe not so good. Maybe we need to balance our advertising so that we we have some of those. Of course, we want to advance our, our product uh, and our services, but we also need to make sure that our our audience, that our, our customers are informed about what it is that they're buying and, you know, what it what is this product doing to them so that they can be balanced and informed about what it is that they're buying at the end of the day. 
Um, Ian, it feels like this is already obviously a big issue, but it feels like obesity really has sort of put it at the top of the agenda. And we saw um, Michelle Obama in, in the US doing lots of stuff, encouraging advertisers and TV programs to, to, to get kids to eat more healthy. And I think, I don't know if Cookie Monster's given up the cookies on Sesame Street, but it's certainly they're, they're talking about sort of fruit juice and vegetables rather than, you know, sugary and, and, and fatty foods. I mean, I think, I think fruit juice is on the banned list now as well. But, was it? <laughs> God, it's tough being a parent, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Um, but what would, uh, I mean, what, what do you make, for instance, of, you know, Gary Lineker? you know snacking away on his walkers crisps you know all all entirely above board of course and uh, you know i'm sure i'm sure it's a delicious snack food other crisps are available and uh, you know no one's suggesting linick has done anything wrong as regards the regulations but you know do kids watch him they watch match of the day and then they go and have a packet of crisps or is that far too simple, simple? I, I don't know do kids watch match of the day at 10 o'clock on a saturday night i think gary, well, they, Lineker, gary they, maybe they do they do um, at nine o'clock the next, the next day <laughs> when it's repeated i think yeah, there, there are rules around uh, how high fat salt sugar food foods uh, are advertised both in terms of the content uh, of those adverts and and where they're placed you can't do any of that advertising for example around um, programs that are specifically targeted at children on uh, on television uh, Paul's absolutely right the, the, the evidence linking uh, obesity to advertising ju- just isn't there uh, and that's despite a lot of effort to find it by the by the public health lobby but does that mean that it's a free-for-all in that space and that brands shouldn't be doing anything no no it doesn't uh, and actually I'd slightly take issue with something something Paul said and I think the brands are pushing it there they, they are typically going beyond what the rules require of them uh, so in the UK, the codes apply to children under the age of 16 and the rules around how you advertise food apply to under 16s. Most major brands across Europe actually apply those to, to, to under 12s uh, in, in particular. So they, they, they're particularly stringent uh, around uh, what, what they do with, uh, with children under the age of 12. I think what it highlights is that there are actually two debates here, typically, uh, that there's a, an ethical debate, if you like, around whether it is right or wrong per se to advertise to a child. Uh, and that will depend on many things, but, but most importantly, I think your worldview. If you don't much care for business and consumerism, you won't much care for commercial advertising. Then there are a series of debates around the advertising of products, uh, and that will depend on how you feel about those products and, and how you feel about those those services. Um, yeah, our, our view on all, all of this is that some of the the more draconian measures that are that are put forward, you know, blanket bans on advertising to children under a certain age, or blanket bans of advertising of products simply won't work um, in, in terms of addressing the uh, the social issue that's there for exactly the point around you know, the degree to which advertising is a problem in the debate around obesity. But 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 actually, uh, what's interesting is where we always come into this debate from, which is you know, there's a problem here, isn't there? And, and what are we going to do to fix it? What we rarely talk about, interested in, in Bo's views on the rights of the child, you know, do children have a right to choice? Do they have a right to receive the same information in a different way? With, with different rules applying to, to adults. You know, children are consumers. They do get to choose. Um, the way we advertise to them, uh, that, that's clearly important. Do they have a right um, to their own media content? Um, do they have a right to have programmes, radio, TV, online, developed for them? Well, if they do, someone's going to have to pay for it, and that's likely to be an advertiser. So almost inevitably, it's an, it's an emotional debate, and we often start it from the point of view of there's a problem here, um, which is kind of the, you know, the nature of debating, I suppose. But uh, it's, it's interesting that there are very positive um, sides of this uh, as, as well. And if we want products and services for children, if we want them to be better, if we want kids to have access to their own media, then advertising to children has to be part of that uh, we just need to make sure we get the content right Bo, well feel free to pick up on that point but i also wanted to ask you how much evidence that there is that you know kids are watching and seeing age-restricted content that, that isn't meant for them well first first on the whole question of you know do they have a right to information then i would say obviously they do uh, and basically children's rights uh, 
kind of dictate that uh, in accordance with age and maturity. So basically, it is a it's it's a judgment call again, just like we've been talking about, you know, regulation being able to put some of the boundaries in place, but at the end of the day, it's gonna have to be uh, individual businesses, industries that understand some of the key impacts and the, some of the kind of key features of each industry and, and business that uh, that they will have, the impact that they will have on, on, on children's rights. Now, in terms of the actual evidence on the type of contents that children are accessing online and, and uh, uh, both in terms of the gaming, in terms of the videos and films that they're able to access, I don't think that any of us have to look farther than our own children and, and see that, you know, that information comes to them even if they're not uh, looking for it. Um, and and really, this is uh, one of the very difficult areas also. How do you begin to regulate and control some of these aspects that go beyond borders and, and that really, uh, you know, internet being a very global thing, uh, very difficult to put, put measures in place that will be implementable. And Paul, what we got really is a, is a battle between sort of the parents on, on one side who are very concerned about what their children are seeing. You've got the advertisers on the, on the other side who, uh, you know, play, play by the rules, but obviously are keen to shift their product. And it's all more or less about the bottom line. And then you've got sort of the regulator kind of stuck in the middle, you know, between these two kind of warring factions. And often the, the parents, you're not in a position these days to know what your kid's doing, you know, half the time, 10% of the time. You're not. I mean, in terms of, of, of content creators, I would say the content creators are pretty responsible. I was in New York last week for kids screen which is an annual conference where the world's uh, content creators and merchandisers licensees get together to discuss children's issues and I can assure you this topic was indeed on that agenda and was discussed and the general view the general summary is that being responsible is actually the right thing to do for business It's actually commercially the right thing to do because parents will choose products and will choose services that they think are right for their children so if they if they for example see a tv series where all the children are eating chocolate or, or candy or something like that they'd rather their child watch the show where maybe they were eating carrots or celery or, or eating healthily. You know, that's the sort of choice that well, they'll make. The problem comes as children get older, of course, they make their own choices and the parents can no longer influence them. And that happens at an increasingly young age. Uh, and that's really where it gets much more difficult. I do think it's true to say, though, that children are pretty media literate. Now, it's hard to say at what point children understand when they're being advertised to and when they're being editorialized to, but they do understand it. And when I was at the Walt Disney Company, we did a lot of work to try and understand this. At what point do kids understand you know, where it is, where the line is? And I think it's also important that the regulator continues to insist that we differentiate between advertising and non-advertising. So people at least know where they are. Because I think they do react differently knowing they're being advertised to or not being advertised to. What did that research come up with? Um, at what age does, does the, sort of, you know, the switch flick in the head? Between the age of three and four, really, really young. At that point, they start to understand advertising. Ian, that's an example of why it's so hard to regulate because you don't know what's going on in the mind of a you know two or three year old as they sit down to watch Peppa Pig or, or what have you. You know, and it wouldn't occur to me. Perhaps I'm incredibly naive that my daughter wouldn't understand that this is an advert and this is a TV program. But uh, apart from the fact she wants everything, she sees, <laughs> <laughs> she thinks it's all an advert. She's the other way around. Yeah, it, it, it is, and it's you know, one of the problems with regulation is it, it has a tendency to want to set bars. Uh, and the problem with that is, you know, a classic example around food advertising, for, for example, where a lot of companies uh, have voluntarily committed not to target children at all under the age of 12. 
But how do you create an ad for a 14-year-old that doesn't appeal to an 11-year-old? Um, you, you can't. <laughs> you, can, you can use best endeavors, but, but you can't. So yeah, I think the codes get it just about right in terms of how they approach this. But setting barriers from a regulatory point of view is, is very difficult. And, and I think it's right, therefore, the responsibility for this rests largely with the brands themselves. And as, uh, as Paul points out, it's, it's, it's almost self-regulating in itself. As a brand, you'd be nuts. To, to run campaigns and to market products aggressively at children in, in a way that's going to alienate parents. And Bo, just just quickly before we go online, Paul there said that you know it can make commercial sense for for a brand to sort of have a, you know ethical values because parents will, will make that choice and, and guide their kids towards that. But then you get and this is a very extreme example, of course, and not particularly aimed at children at all. But then when you get a, the success of say I don't know, let me pick a, a music video out of the air. All right, Robin Thicke's Blurred Lines, you know, which has you know X billion views on YouTube and what have you, and you think well that's probably reached quite a few kids. Isn't the danger that the ethics go out the window and they just they just look at the numbers? Yeah, I, I mean it's one thing about the actual contents that you get in those actual videos, but then there's a lot of issues around that as well you know contents that come with going to these various websites where you're able to download these uh, various videos and other contents that you have and you know as i said it's really extremely difficult on the one hand to regulate but then also to to implement as a company and this is also where you get a lot of the time the whole um, difference between we've talked a lot about what's what is the framework in the uk but you know, then think about what is the kind of information and empowerment that people have in the developing world. How how can they actually handle this type of information and be able to make informed decisions? It is it is a much trickier marketing environment and and a lot more uh, issues uh, going on that uh, really lead to a lot of these uh, situations where children's rights are being violated. Well, sticking with you, Bo, and I said we I said we'd look at online. We've all seen the the, the video of the of the kid playing with an iPad uh, and often knows how to work it better than I do. Give us a sense of, of what the risks are uh, uh, online when it comes not to, to, to linear content and the advertising you know, between programs we're watching on TV, but when it comes to, to, to digital content, to, to apps, uh, to, to, to that entire digital landscape. Well, I mean, again, uh, come back to the point about uh, respect and support. So it's one thing about, uh, you know, the dangers in online, uh, exercising online presence. And there you have the very first issue about your own identity and uh, the human being that you are and giving up uh, details about yourselves, uh, even by logging in on any of these uh, social networks or or fora that exist online, uh, you need to give up some of your, your personal details. And, you know, then the question is the extent to which and how much then do these different companies uh, online or not actually follow your behavior, the things that you're clicking and, and you know, saving cookies on your computer so that they can keep that uh, information stored. Then it's about the actual products and services that you start uh, engaging with. Um, you know, is the is the content of that appropriate for your age, uh, you know, both in terms of the possible sexual content or adult content, but also um, uh, issues around violent content, uh, you know, age appropriateness of of how violent different games or, or films are. But then we do have the whole empowering element and, you know, why it's so important also to uh, encourage business to make children active uh, online because, you know, for many children, that's a an avenue to reach new, uh, new uh, friends, to reach uh, new parts of the world that you may not otherwise have a, have a chance to see or understand. Uh, and especially in the area of education, of course, um, you know, everybody uh, is able to, to go online and, and learn 
great things. So there's a lot there as well that uh, really should be supported for, for children to be able to access. And Ian, these are sort of issues that go f- far beyond the... Uh, <laughs> far beyond the sort of you know the brief of the the advertising regulator and far beyond the brief of of, of anyone you know how, how do you regulate the internet yeah i, I don't envy the asa uh, on uh, on regulating advertising online because what is an advert online is an incredibly difficult thing to determine you know, at, at what point do we define something as a marketing communication it's it, it is really really tough it, it, it is a gray area i think the asa has made a good start the rules that exist everywhere else tv radio news etc all now apply online but it is more difficult to determine what is an ad online that's uh, that, that's absolutely clear uh, and i think you the, probably the most difficult space you get into is the, is the blurred line between an advert and sponsorship um so you know there's, there's a lot of political concern for example around what have been coined advert games which is you know an entertainment experience that happens to have a brand in it or not happens to has a, has a brand in it um, but is that inherently more worrying than a child seeing a logo on a football shirt on the tv um, you know, but both are pretty much pure brand sponsorship there's no there's no sophisticated messaging going on there um, it is a pure piece of brand sponsorship but uh, but because it's online it kind of attracts a special special degree of intention um, and to a degree i think the, the brands are a little bit between a rock and a hard place in uh, in some of these some of these debates. They they keep it simple um, and they don't they don't market aggressively to kids and they'll have a an advert game that's lightly branded. Um, at, at which point they, uh, they they become accused of sort of trying to fly under the radar and being ultra subtle and um, and using uh, nefarious techniques. So it's tough. Uh, I, I don't envy the the regulator and ultimately you come back to. Um, it has to be about having the right conversations with business and making sure that they see the commercial benefits um, of, of doing this stuff right. And Paul, we go from from adverts to sponsorship to advertiser-funded content, uh, paying for the entire program, which we're seeing more of with uh, broadcasters' you know budgets under pressure. Not just TV programs, but um, you know apps as well, and, and games for all audiences, in, in, including children. How, how problematic is that? Well, I think it's a trend that's going to continue, as Ian was saying, because good content does require funding. And, um, you know, in the UK, you have a choice of the BBC or commercially funded channels if you don't want advertising. But everything else, you know, is requiring advertising or some sort of funding. And advertising is going to be a large part of that. Um, I think what matters is as long as you are clear where you are and, and what's happening. If something is clearly sponsored, it should be labelled as sponsored so you know it's sponsored. I think that's the most important thing. Clearly, when you're on the Internet, you're outside territorial boundaries. You know, it's the, it's the global Internet. There there is no way of, of regulating globally that we can currently uh, work out. You can't control where kids go if they're outside uh, kids' space. You know, my advice would be if you're a parent to make sure your kids are on a branded site with a brand you trust. And that could be it could be a broadcaster, it could be people like Nickelodeon or Cartoon Network or Disney. If you're in that environment, you're in a, a walled garden where they'll act responsibly and they'll apply guidelines which are appropriate I think and parents would support obviously if you get outside that uh, world and it's very easy to get outside that world it is tough uh, and they could be exposed to inappropriate advertising and it's very hard to know how to control that. Bo how much is it the parents responsibility what what their kids are looking at online how much how much should it rest you know perhaps it should be 100% with them and, and how much is it with the agencies who are putting the ads out? Well, really, in uh, implementing children's rights, there's no one uh, responsible actor only. So the government does play its role, business does play its role, and uh, parents play their role. Um, 
It it does seem to me though that uh, parents are not sufficiently involved, and and I think one uh, other speaker was alluding to it earlier, uh, the fact that actually our children know more about how to engage uh, online uh, than we do as adults, uh, because uh, this area really is moving so fast forward that you know they're able to to go places where um, we can't even Im- imagine uh, spending time online. So it is also a challenge, you know, just uh, basically education-wise for adults to understand how to really be able to to control uh, the contents that, that their children are accessing. But uh, it would seem to me here too, uh, there is some positive role that both business and governments can play in, in educating parents because eventually uh, they need to be empowered as well to be able to take those steps that are necessary for their kids. Ian, how much do you think responsibility rests with the agencies? Uh, well, it's a partnership, isn't it, between uh, b- between the agencies and the brands themselves and, of course, the media owners. You know, what, what we're seeing increasingly is media owners applying their own standards to the advertising that they will accept. Um, Disney, I think, uh, has recently taken a decision uh, not, not to accept high-fat salt sugar food advertising uh, on its channels or on, or on its website. So reflecting our organisation, actually, this is, this is a coalition of agencies, brands and media owners. They're all, they're all involved um, in the process. Uh, are, there, are there sort of practical examples of the way that uh, agencies have acted or, or media owners maybe to sort of you know, guard the welfare of uh, you know, y- younger viewers or listeners or users? Or? A- absolutely. Uh, every media owner in the, in the UK will look, particularly where they're showing children's programmes, will look very carefully, extra carefully, um, at the content of, uh, of those ads. And if you, uh, if you look at the ads that are appearing on, for example, Nickelodeon, that they will have gone through uh, a process of internal scrutiny at Viacom to make, to make sure that, that they haven't slipped through something that's got whatever violent content or something that's worrying uh, worrying for a child. So ev- everyone has a part to play. I, I think the, the agencies themselves are acutely aware, uh, particularly when they're working with family brands or children's brands, um, that, that this is a sensitive that this is a sensitive area, and no one could be more aware than the brands themselves. And Paul, if the agency sort of pushes at the boundaries and, and tries its luck, is it the brand's responsibility to sort of pull it back and, and say, you know, hang on here, this is not what our, our sort of ethical stance is all about? Uh, totally, yes. I mean, at the end of the day, they own the relationship with the consumer and they're the ones who are attempting to elicit the consumer's um, money. So it's totally their responsibility. Um, uh, but it's a partnership, as Ian says. And I think, uh, as I said earlier, I think ultimately uh, it's good business and uh, common sense will prevail. Both. There are some, including uh, uh, George Mumbai over The Guardian, uh, who argues that there should be no advertising at all to to children of any kind. I think Ian touched on this earlier, but it calls for this to happen. Could that possibly work Um, in an analogue age, let, let alone a digital age? I, I have actually um, uh, also uh, discussed with people who work in countries where, where such uh, regulation is in place, Kenya being a case in point where the authorities have introduced a legis- piece of legislation that says, you know, no advertising to children under the age of 18. And um, yes, it is extremely difficult to implement. I mean, certainly uh, local billboards, uh, newspapers, TV, you can uh, have some level of, of enforcement but even there of course uh, best of brands come up with ideas of using cartoons and uh, getting through to children in in other ways so i don't think that probably not a, a good way to go because it it will basically just create a, a kind of atmosphere of finding other ways to to deal with that 
issue of, of not advertising to children under 18 rather than coming up with content that uh, really empowers children, allows children to be children and that, you know, picks out the, the positive elements of, of being a child, which is what, you know, ad advertising should be about. At the same time as, obviously, those who uh, advertise their products and services want to, to sell more, but, but at the same time making the advertising into something positive, which is what we really are wanting to see, rather than just thinking that a, a black and white regulatory effort with age would be the answer. And Ian, we had the Bailey Review last year, which, which looked into this. We've had two reviews, actually, in the last five or six years um, into, into this issue, one under the last Labour government, one under this coalition government. Uh, the first was led by uh, Professor David Buckingham. His recent book, I'm going to quote from him here, blaming the bad, bad effects of capitalism on marketing to children may be therapeutic for some, uh, but it is ultimately superficial and misguided. Reg Bailey came out very clearly um, against um, uh, overzealous regulation and leg legislation in this area. Interestingly, actually, because his point of view is um, that this is that that may actually risk disempowering parents, taking the responsibility away from parents and, and handing that to others. And Paul, over to you. Well, I was going to say two things, really. The first thing is saying under 18 should have no advertising is nonsense because that assumes that children only watch programming aimed at under 18s. And, of course, we know that's not the case. In the UK, you know, shows like X Factor and Coronation Street and EastEnders get huge audiences and they're clearly not targeted at kids. So it's bankrupt intellectually in that point of view. But also, if you look at some of the studies that have been conducted, and Kenya's an example, another one is Scandinavia. Uh, in Scandinavia, there was a complete ban on children's advertising and it was driven by this idea of reducing obesity. And then four years later, there was no evidence at all there was any reduction in obesity in Scandinavia so you know the correlation just wasn't there um, the reality is also that if children are not exposed to advertising then they're not going to become media literate and as adults they need to be and it's very important that we actually as adults understand how advertising works the role of advertising and use advertising you know as a positive force you know use it to guide decisions and if children are unexposed to advertising they become uh, illiterate and, and unaware of advertising and then they become a big shock as adults let's finish by uh looking forward and uh, I'd like to talk about the best practice in the industry. Ian if I could start with you could you give us a, a positive example or two of, of responsible advertising to children that you've seen? Oh wow this is going to sound a bit glib um, but, but most advertising to children is, is responsible because, because the codes um, demand, that, demand that it is. There are plenty of examples of brands going um, above and beyond that, um, and I've already talked about the fact that m many food brands I impose a, a blanket ban, <laughs> ironically, on uh, on advertising to under 12s. Uh, I think there's some good stuff going on. The industry um, runs a runs an initiative called uh, Media Smart, um, which is all about all about media literacy, all about getting uh, or arming teachers actually with with the right tools. We as an organisation uh, run a website called uh, Check. Um, which is uh, the Children's Ethical Communications Kit, I think is the uh, mangled anagram. Uh, and that's all about helping marketers understand um, the, the rules that are out there and, uh, and what they do. But it's really clear in the marketplace that the, the, the trend is towards more visibly socially responsible marketing, whether that's brands aligning themselves with charitable causes, whether that's them aligning themselves with physical activity or environmental causes. You look at the work, that, for example, Morrison's have done in school schools around helping kids understand where their food comes from you know that that entire sector has mushroomed uh, in in the marketing communication sector over the last 10-15 years um, so it's difficult to pull out one but it, it is just the direction the market's going it's 
peculiar, Paul, and the, the one, if, if I was asked to remember one advert of this sort, I'd, I'd probably go back to like the 1970s and 1980s, which was the, you know, the nicotine adverts, you know, the anti-smoking ads, which I remember very vividly, but also I remember they were a complete failure. Was that right? I think that is absolutely right. I mean, I can't really think of any particular advert I want to pull out because, A, I don't want to really mention anybody specifically, but also, as Ian says, I don't think there's any examples in the UK of advertising that's inappropriate. Now, I, I have seen stuff in America which I think would make our toes curl. I mean, particularly, for example, uh, advertising of um, fruit juice and which are full of sugar and are being advertised as being healthy but of course they're not because they're, they're absolutely full of sugar that would not be allowed in, in the UK um, I think that uh, in an overview I think in this country we're pretty good but you do get a shock when you go abroad Okay and Bo what would you like to see happen going forward? Well, for UNICEF, really what we would like to see is not, uh, you know, just the individual advertisement uh, because, you know, even the best of companies make mistakes from time to time. But it's really about having systems in place and having policies and guidelines that allow staff in the company to make the right decisions. So be that integrating uh, issues around marketing to children, marketing with children in a human rights policy or having nutrition guidelines uh, uh, for broadcasters uh, that that uh, allow them to really, or the staff really to make the right decisions about what is the content that we as a business uh, want to be uh, portraying in the programs that face kids and families. So, so for us, uh, really it is about those policies and systems that allow and empower staff uh, to make the right decisions. Okay, well, on that note, that's all we have time for today. My thanks to our panel, who are Paul Robinson, Ian Barber, and Beau Victor Nyland. Thanks also to Chris Arnold. Don't forget, you can join the debate on our website, which is theguardian.com forward slash sustainable business. My name is John Plunkett, and the producer was Matt Hill, with support from Sarah Lebrecht. Thanks for listening. For more great downloads, go to theguardian.com slash audio.